0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of Africa Say What, a short podcast that gives you the inside scoop on what's happening in the motherland. I'm very excited for today's episode for two reasons. As Sarah mentioned on the first episode, this podcast does not serve to represent the views of only two people about Africa, but we want to try as much as possible to encapsulate diverse opinions on a diverse and sophisticated continent like Africa, and one of the ways we are going to be doing that is through occasionally having guests to help us discuss certain topics in different episodes. On that note, I would like to welcome our favorite brother from another mother who hails from Ghana, Elom, who is here to help us demystify today's topic, which is very important to us and most of the listeners out there. I'm looking forward to hearing the different views that are going to emanate from our conversation today, we will be discussing, drum roll please, presidents for life. Yeah, that's right. And before we delve into today's topic, I would love to give Elom a moment to introduce himself.
1: Hi there, I'm Elom Tite I'm from Accra, Ghana. Um, I'm a junior at Haverford College studying political science with a focus on African politics and government. I'm really excited to be on this show with Joe and Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So a little about me, I get really excited when it comes to talking about politics in Africa Not that I'm an expert or anything, but I just love learning and discussing what um, other people think And views and theories and stuff like that So that's kind of my nerdy side Um, I'm also into good vibes, like I'm a theatre lover, I'm a music lover So wherever there's musical theatre around the city, I will be there And the plan is to be on Broadway one day, so look out for me guys (laughs)
2: It's Sarah here, and here's an intro into today's topic. This past week, a fundraising event for parts of the U.S. affected by hurricane season, so Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, saw five living past presidents of the United States unite on stage for a really good cause. So everyone from Jimmy Carter to Barack Obama was there. Here's an interesting not-so-fun fact, though. While many middle-aged Americans can say that they've seen six or more different administrations in their lifetime, some 40-year-olds in Africa have only known one president their entire life. Another not-so-fun fact with numbers to help you realize how grave this situation is, the presidents of Equatorial Guinea, Chad... Cameroon, and the recently replaced president of Angola have 136 years of rule between them. That's just four guys.
1: Man, that's an awfully long time. I'd imagine that sitting on the presidential seat for even 30 years would be painful. Lord knows I cannot even get through a three-hour lecture. Well, apparently not for many of these guys. For the Nyasingbe family of Togo, who've been in power for about half a century, I imagine that the seat has been cushioned with millions and millions of CFA franc, the only way he's still sitting there. Currently, Four Nyasingbe, the son of Eyadema Nyasingbe, has been in power for the past 12 years, following in the footsteps of his father, who ruled Togo for a good 38 years. So this phenomenon strikes me as a very, very interesting one, not only because of the outrageous time frame they occupy in the presidency, but for a few reasons I will go into. Firstly, homeboy isn't ashamed. I mean, if you would have done anything good for your nation, 12 years should surely be enough, bro. Clearly, someone's dull mind cannot conceive plans as expansive which cover the management of a nation. So I guess he'll need some more thinking and some more time. Secondly, the election of foreign Yasinbe in 2010 and 2015 was intensely decried by a lot of um, opposition parties. But as usual, our abusive lover, the West, more specifically the European Union, Togo's leading international lender, claimed the election went off calmly, confirming the Togolese people's attachment to democracy. Like seriously. However, folks, Isn't it interesting that these same international actors who were so much involved in our election processes come back years later after all the harm has been done and advocates change and reform for the nation? It's high time the hypocrisy stops. It's time for Africans to take charge of our own affairs.
2: That's really
0: interesting indeed, Elom. And if you travel from Togo, which is in the western part of Africa, to Zimbabwe, which is in the southern part of Africa, you would find the exact same phenomenon. I have had the same president ever since I was born, through primary and high school, and will be graduating college in the next two years with probably the same man leading the country since he is also planning to run in the 2018 presidential elections, which will give him four more years in power in addition to the thirty seven. Years he currently has under his belt. Said, right? However, what's even more sad is how this is not an isolated incident unique to Zimbabwe only, but this is the same fate. For thousands and thousands of brothers and sisters, just like Sarah said, in Cameroon, in Uganda, in Sudan, Equatorial Guinea, the Republic of Congo, you know, they have faced the same situation and continue to face it with these leaders who hold on to the presidential reigns for more than two decades. Not only have these leaders managed to utilize the country's resources, but they've also normalized their monarchical system of leadership, a phenomenon we are going to call the president for life syndrome.
2: So, guys, why do you think, like, what would make someone be in power for, like, more than 20 years? So, I'm Nigerian, um, and democracy works pretty well. That's up for debate, but we haven't had a president who's, like, been president for more than 8, 12 years. Um, Obasanjo tried it. (laughs) That didn't work. He wanted a third term, and, of course, like, people vehemently voted against it, which was an instance of democracy working well. But, like, why would this phenomenon happen in somewhere like Uganda? Like, why would someone want to just perpetually have power until they're dead?
1: I think um, one of the main reasons is accountability or the lack thereof. So when looking at these cases, I begin to think about um, the question of whether there are structures in place that allow the people to hold their leaders accountable for the number of terms they're in place manipulation of the constitution amongst other things other people well informed about um the rights they have to hold their presidents accountable and even if they are informed are the rights are the accommodations are the um, provisions within the constitution that allow them to actually do this or the president the president has some overall supreme power over everything that is going on and um, something that i also think about is the manipulation of the constitution arbitrarily so we see that presidents come into power and then they're able to say that you know what i feel like doing four more years or five more years. So let's change the constitution. Hooray, they changed the constitution. And I think this arbitrary management of national affairs is really a problem that should be looked at.
0: Well, I totally agree with you, Elom. And one thing that I'd like to speak on is the absence of separation of powers in most African countries. For example, in Zimbabwe, I've experienced it. um, You know, like the president has executive powers he also has judiciary powers as well as legislative powers so he makes the laws he he interprets the laws and also he makes sure that people follow that particu- those particular laws so it's really interesting how Um, this lack of separation of powers can impact the country in terms of stripping it of its democracy. And another interesting instrument that is utilized by African presidents, of course, is the use of force. So when the president has control of a military and police force, they can definitely do anything that they want. I'm reminded of this interesting event that took place at the University of Zimbabwe in 2014, where students who were tired of ill-treatment on campus, the bad food that they were receiving in the dining halls and also the ridiculous amounts of fees that they were asked to pay, took to um, peacefully protest and try to enact change within the campus. And in response to that, there was a large police and military presence on campus, which goes on to show how... There is no room in these countries to peacefully demonstrate and to peacefully um, advocate for your rights because the government is always going to use different instruments such as force, such as interpreting the law in its own way so as to make sure that they consolidate the power that they have.
2: I think the lengths that these guys would go to just to ensure that they're still in power is crazy. So... Still on the topic of Mugabe, recently he created a whole new cabinet position and made someone a minister of cyberspace. But in essence, what that is, is someone who's going to sit down and look at your social media feed and basically look at what you're sending to people via um, messaging platforms like Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and make sure that you are not talking smack about the government. Um, And it's just like crazy. The use of police force and the military as well in Uganda, where they had elections this past year or two years ago, Um, Museveni, who's the incumbent president, had his opponent arrested on the day of the election. So he basically locked the guy up with that, like with reckless abandon. And the electoral commission had nothing to say about that. Why would anyone do everything that is possible on earth to make sure that they're president for life? You might ask again. I don't know. Maybe it's because in Africa there is an like unlimited access to national resources that you have when you're president. I mean in Cameroon, President Paul Bia basically spends the national budget, lodging in Switzerland and taking trips to Europe. He practically doesn't even live in Cameroon and there's nothing that Cameroonians can do about that. He's living on their dime. All I can say about that is absolute power corrupts. When you have access to money like that, I don't think even you would want to step down. So it makes sense that we see this phenomenon all over Africa. But let us know what you think. Join us in the conversation and leave comments everywhere leave comments under the soundcloud feed and in our social media platforms follow us on instagram at africa say what on facebook at africa say what and on twitter at underscore africa say what i'm now going to turn it over to joy for the news update
0: now here's what's going on in africa today Kenya had elections earlier in August which were nullified by the Supreme Court following irregularities that encompassed them. Uhuru Kenyatta had been elected after getting 54% of the majority vote whilst his opponent, Raila Odinga, had received 44%. The Supreme Court then ordered a re-election to occur within 60 days which, according to me, was a great display of separation of powers in Kenya and a great move towards democracy. As ordered by the Supreme Court, the elections took place on Thursday, the 26th of October, as well as on the 28th, and were, however, boycotted by millions and millions of voters, including Odinga himself, thus resulting in a low voter turnout. Not only did this ignite ethnic tensions, but the steps which are to follow this election are not certain. We hope and pray that this tension will not result in any of the bloodshed and will be solved diplomatically.
1: In other news, the World Health Organization has recently appointed Robert Mugabe president of Zimbabwe as the Goodwill Ambassador for Health. With many describing the move of the UN as a bad April Fool's joke, Uncle Bob has been forced to step down. I mean, that's kind of sad, but honestly, with over 25 years of ruling a nation under his belt, he won't be sad over that.
2: On a sadder note, our thoughts and prayers are with Somalia. So just a couple of days ago, they experienced the second terrorist attack in just a short span of time. Um, The first one was a bomb blast in the capital, Mogadishu, which had over 300 people declared dead and many more casualties. Now, al-Shabaab has claimed responsibility for this attack and It's just, you know, a painful thing for Somalia to have to go through all over again, especially when the wounds from the first attack have not healed. Um, We hope that the insurgency in this country is eventually put to bed and that they are able to win the war on terror.
0: On a lighter note, we would like to say congratulations to DJ Black Coffee. For those who don't know him, Black Coffee is a South African house music producer and DJ. And a few weeks back, he became a new entry on DJ Mag's top 100 list. DJ Magazine, popularly known as DJ Mag, is a British magazine which is dedicated to electronic dance music and DJs. The magazine is also popular for compiling a list of 100 of the world's most popular DJs. The list is compiling following a poll involving millions and millions of voters, and Our Man, Black Coffee, an international act from South Africa, raised the list for the first time on the number 85 spot this is truly phenomenal and we do wish him a lot of success i'm positive that a lot more is coming from this for for this successful and dedicated creative genius that's it for today's podcast until next time see you